can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. Nah, I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it. I ball like a Celtic. All right, Celtics fans, we are back with another episode of Boston Celtics Game Day Recap. I'm your host, Guy DiPlacido. We are joined by a longtime Celtics fan, Stephen Abuchel. And if you haven't followed him on Twitter, make sure to do so at Taco Fell. Uh, the guy is all over Twitter. So, Stephen, appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. Yeah, glad to be here, man. Absolutely. All right, so wanted to wanted to switch things up on today's podcast uh, because let's be honest, the Celtics fall to the Hawks, and this was a game where I thought they were going to turn things around. Uh, they lost to the Hawks, one twenty seven, one twelve. That score is not overly indicative of how the game went. Uh, we definitely played worse than a fifteen point loss tonight. Uh, but I want to hear your thoughts. Give me kind of. High level, what you're thinking so far, and then we'll dive into the game in a little bit here. Um, yeah, I think it's it's not a good start for the Celtics at the at the moment. Um, one good highlight I think I have from tonight is Naismith. He's looking good this season. I know he had a rough start, but three for four from three is kind of why we got him and um, what he what we wanted from him, to be honest. Yeah, and I, I agree. Well. I've, I've talked about this, too, in the last couple of podcasts. I, he was my player of the game last night. So, I mean, for me, I completely agree. Defensively, I think, is where, you know, we weren't really expecting him to perform, and that's kind of been his specialty so far. I mean, well, the last week or so, at least, his hustle stats are there. But you're right, tonight, 3 of 4 from 3, 5 of 7 from the field, ended with 13 points. Overall, solid night. Really solid night for Neesmith. Mm-hmm. One of the only ones. <laughs> can't, yeah. really, can't really say yeah. too much about anyone else, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as, as far as the rest of the team goes, right, I mean, we saw a pretty, pretty decent night from Thompson. 13 and 13. Uh, one of the one of the few people that was above or at fifty percent from the field shot five of ten today. But you know, overall, this was a this was a tough shooting night for the Celtics team. Uh, we ended forty four percent, twenty five percent from three, uh, and it's just it's tough. You know, minus if you take out the last three minutes, we were shooting eighteen percent. From three-point up until, like, literally three minutes left in the game. So I'm curious, I mean, if you look at the Celtics this season, I mean, this is not really the team that we've seen for the majority of the year. I mean, what do you think kind of went wrong tonight? Um, I think it all started with the shooting, to be honest. First quarter, one for eight from three. It's just abysmal. Um, I mean, it doesn't help. The Hawks were on fire tonight. Um, I think this is the most threes ever given up by a Celtics team. It is. Um, I mean, the defense, kind of the lack of effort, especially in that second quarter. Um, and, you know, we failed to pressure the ball, failed to hit the shots. Um, we couldn't even move the ball, to be honest. Um, very little went well this game. And so I think Gal- Gallinari just I- didn't help that at all. 
I do I do want to bring this up, right? Because if you look at the game, like we scored 112 points. So for me, I mean you're you're right. Like a lot of this a lot of this game did not go right. Like the Celtics played horrible tonight. And I'm not gonna sugarcoat that at all. In the last, you know, three minutes of the game, the Celtics did, you know, put up a decent amount of points. But like scoring 112 points in an NBA game is not bad. But giving up 127 points is a completely different story. And that to me is like the biggest issue with tonight. Like, I just, I don't see how the Celtics can give up 127 to the Hawks, give up 127 to anybody, and expect to win a basketball game. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's just, it's, it's a tough game to. It's a tough game to watch. I, I again, I talked about it earlier. Like we're coming off of a game where we blew a twenty-four point lead to the Pelicans, and you know I got real excited against the Mavs, thinking that that was going to be you know a, a clear-cut win for us. The Mavs were coming in on a, a back-to-back, no Porzingis, and the Celtics had rest and a full roster, pretty much minus Smart. And I'm like, okay, the Celtics are definitely coming out with this win. And then they laid an egg. You know, they made it interesting at the end. They played horrible last game too. Uh, And then they come into tonight, and I'm like, okay, the Celtics just lost two in a row. Like, they don't do this. They're going to turn it around. They're going to beat the Hawks. This is going to be a good game. And then they come out and just... Lay an even bigger egg. This was probably the the worst game that we've seen all year out of this Celtics yeah, team. Definitely, definitely. And you know, if you put it together, I saw this. I saw this stat earlier that they put up on the screen. But like the Celtics, when they move the ball versus when they don't move the ball, it's a completely different team, right? So Celtics record based on assists. When they have twenty five plus assists. The team is eight and one. When they have twenty to twenty-four assists, we're five and eight. So big drop off. Nineteen yeah. or less assists, two and seven. Yeah. So tonight we ended with twenty. And again, if you take away the last three minutes of garbage time, it's a lot less than that. But like what do you attribute this to? Like why why are the Celtics just not passing the ball? Because we've got a a halfway decent cast of people that can score the ball, but we're yeah, not utilizing think, it. Yeah, I think the lack of a true playmaker, especially, I mean, without Kemba tonight as well, um, no one really to pass the ball, but also I think Jaden Jaden and Tatum especially, um, I don't know what it is. Jaden said, you know, not, he said no comment on the um, – on the ball movement questions in press conferences and stuff recently. A couple times. It, yeah, it appears he just, um, they kind of go for these difficult, like, they force these shots, which they're never going to make, rather than just, like, passing out to an open knee smith or open. I don't think they, I don't think they trust um, the second unit, to be honest. I, don't, I think they would rather force a three or force a, a fadeaway like Tatum does um, than pass to the supporting curse, which... Is part of the reason that the resist is so low when it could be so much better. 
Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up too because I was listening to the Locked On Celtics podcast as well, and I don't want to, I don't want to plug another podcast on my podcast, but they were talking like John Corrales was talking about that, and he thinks the biggest thing holding this Celtics team back is exactly what you're saying, and it's trust. And until you know Jalen Brown, the Jason Tatum's of this team start to trust their bench this team it's not it's not going to do anything you know we saw tonight it was actually you know a fairly decent perform it was probably one of the better performances you know from a scoring percentage from our bench like we the bench scored 55 points tonight so it's not like a it's not a bad shooting night for our bench i mean again i know the issue is on the defensive end but a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to the Celtics not moving the ball, and you know that's that's really where we've been losing all season. I'm not saying that's the case for this game in particular, but there's a correlation there somewhere. Yeah. So for me, it's just I, I just I just don't know if it's you know. The Rain and Jay is not trusting the guys that we have or just not trusting anybody. So yeah. I, I know we've got the, the trade deadline coming up in about three weeks, four weeks at this point. You know, I'm curious. I, I know you mentioned a couple names prior to the podcast starting. So I want to hear your thoughts on, you know, potential TPE options and who you kind of see the Celtics gunning for here moving forward. I mean, um, especially after the Pelican game and after you see our shitty performances these past couple of nights, I've said it before, I think Lonzo Ball is definitely, um, should definitely be a, a player the Celtics should look to acquire. Um, you know, he's a good shooter, good defensive player, which is exactly what we need, to be honest. Um, I don't see why they wouldn't get him, to be honest. Uh, same with, um, I know Harrison Barnes is it is a tougher one to get because the Kings don't seem too keen on uh, giving it up. But again, we need that big, we need that that rim protector, which Tice tonight just could not do anything, to be honest. Uh, those are probably my two main uh, two main players I'm looking at to get. So, if we were to get uh, Cousins, you know, it wouldn't be the end of the world, but I don't think, I don't know if that's really going to, what's going to fix this team at the moment. Yeah, and I, and I agree. I mean, I, I've been talking about Harrison Barnes all season long. Um, and, I mean, honestly, at this point, I don't know. Like, I, I, Lonzo Ball wouldn't be a bad play. I, histo- like, have not been a huge Lonzo Ball fan. I don't know that the Pelicans would make a move on them. They seem that they could be one of the sellers at the deadline just because their their record's not there. But the only way that it really makes sense for the Pelicans to make a move is if they're getting rid of a lot of, you know, trade capital um, and then kind of opening up some cap space. Because right now, like, their their timeline to win is probably six years down the road with Zion, right? Like, it, he's just not going to win now. It's the yeah. way this Pelicans team is. So the only way that really the it makes sense for the Pelicans to make a move is to try and free up draft capital and add stock that kind of fits their timeline. 
So I don't I don't really know that Lonzo fits into that mix because he is a young guy. And at that point, who are who are the Celtics getting rid of? Right? Like yeah. who would who would we be trading to get Alonzo that the Pelicans would realistically look at? And I'll I'll ask oh. you this because I saw this on Facebook earlier too. But like I've seen trade rumors or I don't know, maybe it's just idiot fans that are putting in stuff on the, the NBA trade machine. Uh, but I've, I saw her trade earlier. It was Kemba, Kemba Walker for Steven Adams and Lonzo. And while it looks like a pretty good deal for the Celtics, like I just I don't see why the Pelicans would possibly consider that. So I want to yeah. hear your thoughts on that because I don't know if you've seen those as well. Yeah, I've seen... I've seen a lot of trades similar to that. Um, that one specifically, I don't. I don't think the Pelicans would ever do that. It doesn't make sense, cause, <laughs> especially because they. The reason they got Stephen Adams was to to fill that big man role, and just getting Kemba back, especially when he hasn't played well this season, is. I don't. They're not getting All Star Kemba like last season. They're getting an, an inefficient scorer, and I honestly I think Kemba for like Lonzo and JJ Redick is more realistic. Than for Stephen Adams um, at this point, but even that would be the Pelicans. I don't think. Would be it's to, yeah, to it just doesn't. It doesn't make much sense for the Pelicans. I I, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just I just don't think that there's a huge market for Kemba Walker at this point, and a lot of it just comes down to the fact that his. Like, by the time the 22-23 season rolls around, he's expected to make $37 million. So, like, his salary just doesn't fit. Like, it does, for the Pelicans who are, you know, going to be a young team, going to be looking to win in a couple of years or five years down the road, like, it just doesn't seem like it makes too much sense. But I do want to I do want to talk on Harrison Barnes real quick because I'm, I'm glad you brought him up because he's been realistically my pick for the entire season so far. Uh, the Kings have been losing; they have not been playing well so far, uh, and they seem again like they could be sellers at the the end of the line too. So he's a guy that you know for me I think fits a lot of the Celtics' needs. He's going to be a four, stretch the floor, can put the ball on the floor, and then also just, you know, put the ball in the hoop. Uh, and that, to me, I think is a huge thing. I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that, from a defensive standpoint, is going to change the game. And I think that's kind of what the Celtics are missing at this point. So I don't know if that's the guy that's going to be the end-all, be-all for this team either. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. The, 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 I think that's the main problem with the Celtics at the moment is their defense and their scoring. And Harrison Barnes, he's a, he's a good. Don't get me wrong, he's a good player, but and I think we should. I wouldn't if we were looking to get him. Um, I w- I don't know how realistic the trade is, but I would I definitely would be happy with him. But he is less of a. Um, you know, only averaging 15 points a season, less than a, a scorer or really a true rim protector. Um, like someone, I don't know, some other defender we could get, like Drummond, who's just a pure rebounder. So, um, do, so do you like Drummond? Like, actually like Drummond? Um, 
No, but <laughs> I, I, I don't like Drummond. I don't want the Drummond. If Ainge made a trade for Drummond, like just a, I don't know, a Tice for Drummond, I think Drummond would fit the team better than Tice does just because Tice, he's a good defender, but he really, and he's a good shooter, but he just, he just, he's too small. And he, those, especially those bigs like Embiid, I think Drummond would at least have a chance against them. Whereas Tice just, you know, Tice just gets destroyed by them. So he's undersized. Um, like, I'll give you that. Yeah. Like, Tice is undersized. Uh, but I don't yeah. think... I think Tice... Yeah. I just, like, I don't see the Drummond fit. And and, and, this is, and this is why, and I'll be completely honest with you here. Like, I just... From a salary perspective, he doesn't fit into the TPE. So you're going to have to match salaries. So it's not as simple as, like, trading a Tice for Drummond. Like, you're going to need to get rid of 20... million to match that salary. And really the only one that would make that work is trading a guy like Kemba or trading a guy like smart. And for me, like I, I definitely don't want to get rid of smart because I think he's, I think he's huge for this team. And I think we're kind of seeing that right now. I think a lot of people undervalued him, uh, but I don't think, again, I don't think the Cavs are going to trade for a guy like Kemba either when they have Colin Sexton. So for me, like it just, that trade doesn't make sense. If it, if it fit in the TPE, that's one thing, right? But like if you're trying to trade and match salaries, I just don't see it. I don't, yeah. I don't see it working. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, I think if we did... I could see easily see if we got him, it would be similar to a Tristan situation, um, where we thought he would come in and be the big man that would save our roster. Which, yeah, I could easily see Drummond just kind of falling behind, um, and especially giving up. There's no way we would give up, you know, Campbell or Smart. Yeah. For, for him, so. So, yeah, so I am curious because you brought up Demarcus Cousins earlier, and this is this is a guy that I. I'm a little bit more keen on just because the salary works. Like he's not making a lot of money. He got waived. So like we, we could sign him fairly cheap. And this is a guy, I mean, honestly, we might even be able to get him for, you know, essentially dropping a guy like Teague and adding his salary, doing a veterans minimum deal. So for me, that makes a little bit more sense than a guy like Drummond. Sure. You're not going to get, you know, a double, double every night, from a guy like Boogie, but uh, I think he still brings, you know, a a significantly better passing forward than what we have. Um, But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm curious, like, what are your thoughts on, on a guy like DeMarcus Cousins? Um, I think he, I think he's good. The the question is, I don't know if he would exactly fit the team. He has been getting worse every year. Um, I mean, that's obvious when he's, you know, his pass is prime, but, He's just, um, I don't know if he's as efficient as people think. Um, I know, I think that one's surprising the most likely trade because I've seen several posts going around saying Celtics have, that's their most interested uh, target at the moment. I would, now looking at the TPE and everything, I probably would take him over Drummond, but I really don't know if I, if I, if I would want him at the moment. Um, because I don't know if he if he would make that much more of an impact than Tice does or Williams does at the moment. 
especially probably I assume he would take Woodman um, minutes away from Williams, which I don't think I would want at the moment. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, realistically, we have too many bigs, and none of mm. them are stellar. And I've talked about this too, but like realistically, the only way to bring in a big that makes sense is to get rid of a big. And at this point, I just don't know who the Celtics would either drop or try to trade. It seems like... I think the only answer is ties at this moment because Tristan doesn't really have any trade value. And I think they want to try and keep on to Williams. Yeah, I mean, I think think Robert Williams is going to be, you know, the big of the future for the Celtics team. I really do. And you're right. I mean, Tristan Thompson's trade value is almost nothing. I mean, he's certainly gotten better. Like he's playing better as of late. Like tonight, he was. You could make an argument that he was the best player on the court. Yeah, uh, certainly. But again, you're 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 right. For making the money that he's making, it really doesn't make a ton of sense for many teams to add a guy like that. He's not old, but like again, he's making a, a decent salary. And the numbers aren't really there. He's not a stretch big. He's not going to shoot threes. So in the modern day NBA, and this is this is my gripe with Andre Drummond, like the modern day NBA needs a stretch big, and neither of those guys, Drummond or Thompson, really give you that. And that's my big issue with both of them. So, I mean, you're right. It's it, Tice would be that trade he would be the person that you would need to trade to bring in a guy like Boogie. And at that point, again, I don't, I don't know that it's, I don't know that it's worth it. I mean, I personally, I'm a, I'm a huge Tice fan. I feel like I'm one of few, Um, but overall, I mean, he's a guy that can go in. He's not, he's not a stellar defender, but we'll give you some blocks here and there, Uh, but he can stretch the floor. And yeah, I think it's it's valuable for any team in the NBA. I mean, he is a guy that will give you trade. He'll give you trade value. I mean, there's I I think ninety percent of NBA teams would jump on a trade for Daniel Tice if we put him up on the trading block. You know, he's yeah. a guy that can stretch the floor and he's only making five mil. So it's not like the salary is is outrageous either. But you know, I, I'm curious. I mean, as far as as far as the team goes, it's obvious that there are serious deficiencies across the team. Like we we need something. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the Celtics like fall within this Eastern Conference right now? And like, what do we need to do to kind of move us back into a legitimate playoff contending team? Um. I think I think it starts with the the center. It starts with the big man. Um, obviously, if we got you know some some more wings, some more especially more scorers, because at the moment our only two scorers are Jalen Brown and Tatum. Um, but I think it starts with the defense. It starts with the bigs. Like to, even tonight, Capella, we don't really have an answer for him. Um, and I think that's the re- that's the thing with the Eastern Conference, and that's why we're or falling behind so much is these teams, even with these, not even stellar bigs, even like the Raptors, um, 
with Boucher. I know we won that game, but you know, Boucher is a big. He's you know, um, he shouldn't be giving us as much trouble as he was. Um, I think I think it starts with the big for for sure. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about trades possibly for Vucevic, which seems very unlikely. But yeah, if we yeah, could get a, like a a Kemba Tyson pick for him, I think that would be that would be the best trade possible. But I know that's rarely going to happen. Yeah, I mean it's it's tough. There are a lot of a lot of players that make sense. I mean Vucevic is it would be a phenomenal ad for the Celtics. I just like you said, I just don't really think it's realistic. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I mean, again, it would make this Celtics team really good. Give us a legitimate, a legitimate scoring big for the first time in a long time. So, I don't know. I mean, it is, uh, it's tough. The Celtics team where they bring us on such a roller coaster. You know, there are some minutes, stretches where, you know, we look unbelievable. We'll go on like a 14-2 run, and then, you know, we'll follow that 14-2 run up with another 14-2 run for the other team. And it's just it's just nonstop. And I think a lot of it comes from, you know, the top guys. It comes from the top. So I don't know if this TP or if, you know, this trade is really going to change a ton of that, I'm hoping it does. You know, I'm praying it does because these podcasts are a lot more fun when the Celtics are playing well. Watching the games are a lot more fun when they're playing well. Uh, but, you know, that's that's the NBA, I guess, at this point. You know, it, it's a... It's a game of runs, and unfortunately, the Celtics have been put on the back half, the wrong half of those runs for the majority of this season. We're two games below 500 for the first time in six years since 2015, I believe. Um, and it's it's not fun. It's not fun. I'm finally starting to realize what the uh, the Pelicans of the world have been dealing with for so long. But, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's where we'll stop it today, Stephen. I appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Bye. Absolutely. If you haven't already subscribed, make sure to do so. Make sure to rate and review. Give me a five star rating here. Really appreciate all that. Uh, we've got another game coming up on Friday. Make sure to tune in and have a good night, Celtics fans. We will talk to you soon. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, nah, I can't help it, nah, I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, nah, I can't help it, nah, I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic. I can't help it, I ball like a Celtic.